Welcome to the WNBA Insider Podcast featuring Eli Horowitz. Uh, we've just recovered from a crazy WNBA Finals where it went to Game 5. Minnesota Lynx pulled off a heroic game, uh, 85-76 over the LA Sparks. Eli Horowitz, how's it going by you? Doing well, doing well. Uh, I needed a day to process everything before I'm really ready to dive deep into this, but feel good now. How about yourself? You know, uh, I, th- I agree. I had to rewatch the game yes last night um, after getting some clips from the uh, the parade and just watching the game. Watching the game over, I noticed a lot more holes uh, and a lot more fault than I initially did. Uh, have you had a chance to look at it over and and you know kind of think of what's going on on that end? I haven't rewatched, which I will, um, but. Just taking a step back to process, not just game five, but game four. Um, the Sparks did not play well. And I, I actually mentioned this to Pat Ralph at Excel Sports. Um, since the second half of game two, where the Sparks came back, they lost that game, but they played really well in the second half. Remember, they were down by 19 at the half and only lost that game by two points. Since then... I haven't. I didn't see the Sparks play their brand of basketball for the rest of the series, and I feel like in Game Three was more about what the Lynx didn't do, and the Sparks almost won by default. And then once the Lynx kind of figured things out, the Sparks never got to their brand of basketball. And you're you're absolutely right. As much credit as we need to give to the Lynx, um, the Sparks were a little bit disappointing um, on on both ends of the floor. Yeah, I mean. I, I was looking looking over the game, and I noticed early on Sparks did some different things that we hadn't really seen that much in the finals. I didn't notice. Uh, I, I even texted you about it when I was watching it last night. I saw Essence Carson get some early minutes, and I couldn't peg it on specific foul early foul trouble. Um, obviously, there were some questionable calls throughout the game that you know we as fans and as the the players and 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 the people involved in the league need to demand better refing but that's a whole nother story for a whole nother time um and i know you feel strongly and agree with that but i just saw like all right for instance through the whole series elena beard just didn't want the three ball and i know like that's not necessarily her game per se but you know in the finals last year we saw her make some daggers of shots that it looked like she didn't want the shot this year Three-point shooting ended up being, I think, the second biggest factor after rebounding. Um, a lot of attention has been spent on the rebounding. But the three-point, sh- the spark shot two for 18 from three in game five and five for 22 in game four. And Elena Beard, you mentioned her. How about Chelsea Gray? She didn't hit a three in game four or game five. They're just kind of thinking about that for a little bit. And just thinking about how well she played in game one, things fell pretty fast um, for the Sparks, especially on the perimeter. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the stats right now. They shot two for 18 from three. And I remember in the postgame with uh, Agler, you know, coach of the Sparks, they asked him, they said, you know, that they were kind of doing their thing, controlling the paint, and you kind of wanted to combat it through uh, shots beyond the arc, and they just weren't falling at all. And they were missing open shots, too. And, you know, I kind of wonder, did they, I don't, it, it was it like a, 
they were in their head, or what? Do, what are your thoughts on it? You kind of have a better sense of the sparks and their shooting process. Um, well, first of all, the Sparks are not a great three-point shooting team. Um, the the Lynx actually, we're we're a better shooting team by percentage in the regular season. So I think it's getting a little bit misconstrued, just in the sense that they're not some elite team. But I think it's more that the Sparks are more versatile than the Lynx, right? They can. They can play inside and out. They can attack the basket. They can play fast or slow. And so when I read Agler's comments, I think it was more about that by not making threes, it kind of shrunk the court on them a little bit and made it where it was about the paint. And as you mentioned, that's advantage links with the rebounding and the second chance points. So it's I honestly don't... The, the, the Sparks didn't need to shoot... 50% from three, they just needed to be passable, and they were awful. Yeah, 11%. Uh, I mean, look, the, the Lynx didn't shoot much better shooting 20%, so it wasn't like the Lynx won it through that, but the way that Sylvia Fowles dominated the paint and just controlled every aspect of the game um, was just beyond impressive. I had I was with a large group of people, and every time a shot went up, her offensive rebounds were just like so poignant and powerful, and at the right moment. Um, and then her defensive rebounds just did everything else. Yeah, Sylvia Fowles really put in the work last off season uh, to get stronger, and you can see it paying off because they could not move her. You know. How you rebound against somebody like that isn't trying to out-rebound them. What you want to do is box them out, push them under the basket, and let other people come rebound. And they could not move her. Um, you know, and that strength. I think a lot of people credit her height and her size, but I think it's a lot of the lower body. It's a lot of the work she put in. She credits the assistant coach who really worked with her on that part of her game and that part of her body and her strength. And um, it was pretty impressive to watch. I got to say, looking at the Lynx lineup stat line, I'm just so impressed how, I mean, the Sparks, I think, they really combat, they come at the Lynx in, in a completely different way that most teams don't have the ability to just because of the, of the sheer talent that the Sparks lineup has. And I just love how in this game, they really push the Lynx. Now, the Lynx end up winning, but they push the Lynx to a point where they're starting five. I don't remember a, a series or a game where the Lynx have had to have such efficiency in some way from each of their starting five. Normally, they can kind of lean on fouls or lean on more or lean on Augustus. But this game, I mean, every player came to play, and, and it was just impressive to watch team basketball at that level. Yeah, that was a big part of it um, because I think with LA we just saw some up and down play, right? The highs were very high. We, had, you know, Chelsea Gray putting together probably the best individual performance of the whole series, but then the lows are low where she doesn't hit a three in the last two games. Uh, you mentioned Elena Beard up and down play. We've it's well we've talked a lot about Candace Parker's up and down play. Neca only had three rebounds last night. You know, they, they can't win with her only getting three boards. Um, so 
I've said it all along. The, the links are just a little bit more steady. You know, you, you know what they're capable of. You, you kind of know what they're going to give you. Um, the Sparks have a higher ceiling, but the links are just a little bit better, I think, on average. Yeah, I, I think when the when the both teams bottom out, the links are a little bit better. Um, and I think when you're playing such a physical in the WNBA long series of five games, it really a lot of times you're going to force, and they a lot of times did force each other to play their worst basketball because you're playing against such amazing defenders. Uh, and when that happens, the, the sparks are just a tad lower. Um, your thoughts on that? Well, I wanted to ask you about NECA because I feel like we agree based off this year. Like I agree with what you just said, but it just popped in my head. Like I feel like last year NECA really kind of – competed with Sylvia on the boards and put a different stamp on this series, not just the game-winning shot, but just her boxing out, her overall impact. And I felt like Sylvia, Sylvia just really dominated her overall in this series. What, what were your thoughts on NECA's play? I mean, I have my theories as to whether or not she was 100%, but everyone was banged up. So what did you see from NECA um, and I'm just kind of curious, looking forward, like what kind of player she can be. My, my thoughts on on the the playoffs in general slash the finals between the two of them is Neca played a much more physical semifinals going up against Brittany Griner and the Phoenix Mercury. Um, not to say that the links the links semifinals wasn't physical, but it was a, a, very, a much different game, and Sylvia was and is on such a different level than most players in this league that it didn't pull on her the same way it told on NECA. Um, now, when you get into the finals and then clashing, 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 I agree. I don't think she was 100%. I, I don't know necessarily if it was, you know, uh, a specific injury or just overall she'd been so banged up, you know, got a couple knocks to the head, a couple knocks to the face, a couple knocks to the leg and, like, her ankle or her hand or something, I think, at one point. Um so, like, obviously, she's extremely banged up. I know you look at, like, on the Lynx side, I think probably the most banged up was Simone Augustus, who got her knee drained, what, the day before, the day of the game. Um, I think when it came down to it, when you're 100% right, when you look at last season, NECA was a force, and she was on a mission, um, and she was using her athleticism and her, her speed, kind of, to bring the game to a different aspect than what Sylvia Fowles wanted. Now, that included at certain times muscling her out. But I think because she was able to kind of use some of, of Sylvia Fowles' energy against her and then use strength when Sylvia was a little bit more winded and just kind of a, a mentality on that aspect, she was able to get a lot more done. In this series, Sylvia Fowles, and she made reference to it many times in post-game interviews, she was just on a mission that she was going to control the paint. And that's what I think... Her focus was all season. Every time she played anybody, it was working on a different aspect of something to get ready to be able to just completely dominate NECA. And I think that's what we saw. Now, moving forward, I think we're going to see the same thing from NECA. And it's kind of like we saw in the series where it was just punch and punch back. Yeah, um, that was kind of fascinating to watch unfold. And 
Another thing we, I think we texted about it was, were you surprised that they didn't try Candace Parker more on fouls? You know, they pretty much stuck with NECA. What's your take on that? Well, I'm curious your take on it because my thought process on that is if I'm at least thinking back to last season, and I know it's a different series and blah, 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 but looking back to last season, you know, Parker, I think, in some ways is better suited to cover Sylvia, and then you can start getting NECA moving and involved in the game in a different way, which kind of bumps up. It's kind of like with a shooter. If you get the shooter fouled so she can get to the line, she gets a couple of easy baskets, and all of a sudden she's warmed off being a cold streak. Yeah, I think the rationale was, hey, NECA is our best rebounder. We're going to put her on Sylvia. She, we'd rather have her get in foul trouble than Candace Parker. We'd rather use Parker as a roamer. You know, I think they thought of it as Parker can guard Brunson and kind of help and double team and use her length and tip balls. And they definitely got some deflections that way. But playing devil's advocate, Candace Parker is longer. I think she just disrupts Sylvia's shots just by pure height and length. And NECA then can use her speed to kind of play, be a help defender and play off. And I think she would have been a little bit more aggressive once Brunson did get going. I feel like NECA would have like accepted that challenge a bit more. Um, and I, I think it's one of those things where you can go like 50-50, like mix it up in different quarters. Um, but I think we saw too in the semifinals, Parker was pretty effective on Brittany Griner because of her length. And then NECA could come and be the one to double. Um, so, I don't know. I'm a little torn on it because I think one-on-one, Parker is the better matchup. But Parker is really good at kind of coming over to double and getting her hand on balls. And she gets a lot of steals. So, I think Agler really wanted to kind of use her as a free safety, if that makes sense. I I agree with that. I mean, hearing you say that, I, I can't help but just think that you know, last year, okay, Parker got MVP of the finals, um, and we've seen, everyone's seen that stat, uh, and you've mentioned it a few times. When the when the Sparks beat the Lynx, you know, her stats are, like, she's averaging 20 and 10 or something. Um, and I think, I don't want to say that got in his head, but that, but it seems, from the outsider's perspective, it, it seems like they were kind of playing to that. Um, because I, I feel like they were basically saying, okay, we know we need a big game from Parker, and if, if she's going to do that, then we're going to be able to win. And she's the one that we need kind of, you know, dipping her magical toes on everywhere, as opposed to in a previous year or in previous games, they might have looked to NECA to do that. Um, but this game, it kind of, there was an emphasis on it's going through Parker. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little frustration in the background, because again, the Sparks are a very talented team and I know NECA got injured, but she got injured because of how she kept two on that assignment. Like we didn't, like you're saying, we didn't see a chance where they really switched her out because of foul trouble until they really had to, and then she got fouled out when she got back in. I think another point, you know, you brought up relying a bit much on Parker is getting back to Chelsea Gray. Um, I would have liked to see using Gray kind of almost like a JJ Redick, you know, setting doubled screens and kind of forcing the issue. I felt like. In game five, getting her some open threes early in the game, like that's a player that you you need her three game. 
Uh, and it just opens up the floor. And I felt like, I think we were texting about it, like part of the reason the Sparks are so good is because they play like a read and react offense that maybe isn't scripted. But I feel like in this scenario, I would have liked to see a little bit more script to make sure they got certain looks. Because I feel like Chelsea Gray has her moments of being really assertive, but it seemed to come in waves. Whereas like Odyssey Sims, she has no problem being aggressive. You know, and I feel like with Gray, you got to run some double screens, try to get her some open looks. Um, and I was a little disappointed. Um, they, they just, there were so many instances where I feel like they didn't get the right shot. Even at the end of the game, they were down five and Odyssey Sims like jacked a three from the corner. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. That's not the right shot there. Even if it takes five more dumb. seconds, like, yeah, like that was frustrating. Like that was a point where it had to be Gray or Parker in my mind. I also, all right, Weiss, why didn't, you know, that I saw some people tweeting about it during the game when I was doing some live tweeting. You know, at certain points with the double teams and the focus that certain players were getting, throw in a specialist, throw in Sydney Weiss, you know, let her drop a couple of shots. Like, what else, what do you have to lose? Also, to your point that you were just making, you know, I don't want to put this on Agler, but, like, your players are giving it their all. Yeah, you know, they're the ones doing the read and react, but whatever. At certain points, you need to step up as the coach, and you got to say, hey, you know, I'm putting my foot down. You guys, this is our process, but, like, this, like run this style play. Or, you know, just something. Something as the coach. You need to step in when your season's about to fall away from you. You had a lead in this series. You blew it at home. Obviously, you can argue there's an asterisk there. But either way, your back is against the wall. You guys were down the whole game. You got to take your, you know, take your stamp on this. Yeah, um, I think it'll be interesting to talk more through the offseason, like on the lack of using the bench. Um, you know, Raquana Williams, I thought like I thought she played well when she was out there in this series. And I thought she deserved more minutes. And maybe Gray and Sims did fatigue ultimately. But Williams, I think, was capable of more. And she's a player that she can be a little bit erratic, but you ha- you got to play through her a little bit. You got to give her a couple shots to get going. And I think you saw in game five, she, she hit a few shots that were important. Um, you mentioned Weiss. I mean, I don't think she was going to play in game five after not playing all series, but I watched her shoot for about a half hour at the Staples Center before game four, and she can really shoot. So, and you know, the Lynx played their rookie, Alexis Jones. Um, So, again, different coaches of different styles. Like, it's hard to criticize either of these coaches because of their resumes. Like, Agler's three championships, I think, if you include um, the other women's professional league, um, he's, you know, up there in all-time wins, if not first. I think he's like all-time in women's basketball professional, but not in WNBA yeah, or something like that. Been, but uh, you... there's there's some confusion because like he's all-time women's basketball, and I think uh, is it is it uh, coach um, isn't isn't coach, Tebow? Yeah, Tebow's yeah, all-time WNBA. Yeah, he's like the WNBA all-time or something. Right. So I mean. It's hard to criticize him, um, and as someone who's coached myself, it's like it's very easy to criticize until you actually have to do it. But 
that's our job right now to analyze this series. And if we're just talking about Agler and Reeve, I do feel that, um, you know, she outcoached him in, in the second half of the series and both X's and O's, but just pushing all the right buttons, you know, like she canceled after game three, she canceled practice the next day, for example. Now, I, I can't read minds. I don't know why she did that. I don't know you know, what the rationale was, but obviously it worked. You know what I mean? Like she just seemed to push all these different buttons in terms of the intangibles, the mental games um, that were pivotal. I mean, did you see the the pregame warm-up they did on court before game four? Yeah, I was like filming some of it, like posting up, going hard at it, you know, Waylon, Augustus, and Brunson were the first three out there on the court after they struggled in game three. So there's something she does that just seems like they always respond the right way. I And and that was the other thing that I noticed throughout the game. And, and I mentioned this to you again, we were, we were texting throughout the game, um, but I mentioned this to you at a certain point, it was just very obvious that just how the teams were carrying themselves and, and kind of the, the 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 eeriness about both teams at a certain point. I mean, there's a there's a point the camera was on the Lynx bench during a timeout, and everyone's talking, and everyone's talking, and Simone Augustus kind of just yelled, "Everybody, be quiet!" And everyone just kind of settled down. They listened to coach, and from that point on, there was just this calm about them, like we're on a mission. And I never saw any player, and I, I texted you this uh, when I was rewatching it. I never saw a player. Uh, kind of take that leadership or even Agler take that leadership. And again, I'm not criticizing him in that sense or any way because um, he's too far beyond for me to criticize him in any way like that. But what I'm saying is nobody kind of stepped up in that moment and said, calm down, we got this. And I think, you know, I was looking at video of, of game of game five last year and Sparks players were doing that and they just seemed more calm and focused and embraceive of the of the uh, the moment than, than they were la- this year. And it was kind of a flip of the script. Yeah. Did you notice also down three, um, the timeout before Maya Moore hits that big shot? Did you notice um, Agler asked his players what they want to do? Yeah. You notice that? Yeah, I thought that was very odd. Yeah, let's talk about that because that's very odd, right? That's extremely odd. Now, um, the the skeptic in me wants to say, you know, he kind of was pissed off and he's like, what do you guys want to do? You, I could, To me, it kind of felt like uh, him being like, all right, I called some plays and you haven't really been listening. What do you want to do right here? Yeah, like what do you, is that like LeBron calling off? What's that coach's name who like got fired halfway through the season? Uh, David, uh, David, Bl- David, um, David Blast. Yeah, yeah. Is that like hey, LeBron calling off the play, or is this more of like a hey, we're a one team, one family. I trust you guys. Like, it doesn't like because the situation. Let's recap. They were down three with thirty seconds left, so they had three options. They could have either fouled right away to extend the game. They could have played it out, or they could have, or what they did, which was kind of press up, try to get a steal, try to force a quick decision. Now, there's arguments to be made for all three. I kind of feel like a coach would have decided that in the offseason. You know, like, 
that's like a philosophy thing. Like we foul in that scenario or we play it out or we press or trap. So I was a little surprised that he didn't just like make a call there. Um, hard to know without being in that huddle. Like, like you said, was he kind of like, like, okay, they're not listening. So let them make the call. Or was it like a positive thing? But definitely just can't imagine many coaches like not making that call. I cover the Minnesota Lynx much closer than I've been able to cover the Sparks, and you've obviously been able to cover the Sparks much closer than you cover the Lynx. So I think I'm take this with a huge grain of salt. But you know, just from what I've watched in pre pre finals preparation and whatnot, it seemed like there is much more of a family atmosphere. We all we all take an equal burden type thing from the Lynx than the Sparks and. And all right, I have my own beef with the style of Candace Parker complaining after penalty or fouls. Um, and you know, some of the comments she makes um, or posts that she makes on social media. But that, I mean, that's a, that's a completely different story. But what I will say is based off the game and seeing her expressions to the refs and things like that, I wouldn't put it past that, you know, Parker or even, uh, you know, Chelsea Gray or somebody. Well, you know, took it took it upon themselves to, to audible uh, because they thought they saw something, and in typical offense, the way they run it, they feel like they can do that. Yeah, and frankly, I like the way they played it out. They were aggressive. They almost forced the Lynx to throw it back court. Candace Parker almost tipped a ball, and frankly, the shot Maya Moore took, you could argue, was a bad shot because first of all, there was no Lynx by the in the paint. So that was a one and done shot. And a lot of coaches would argue that was not a good shot, like in that scenario. Like you use the whole shot clock. Like if she misses that shot, there's gonna be a lot of criticism. Oh, if she misses that shot, I mean the links are most likely look, even as as someone watching the game, there was still a moment of, you know, and and this is something that surprised me with the Sparks because they didn't – It did, to me, and I'm just going to put this out there, it didn't seem like they wanted it. And, and when I say that, what I specifically mean is the Sparks, we go to game five, and throughout the whole game, I saw players passing for not for that better shot, but passing because they didn't want the shot. And then when we're late in the game, late in the series, and, the, you know – the Sparks are, are it's a three-point game, and the Sparks have a chance to get, like, I think the Sparks had the ball and it was a three-point game or the or, or something about that at some point and under a minute left, under 30 seconds left or something. And and they didn't set up for a smart shot. I think that's when they did the, uh, was it Odyssey Sims who hit it from the corner? It was just a horrible shot, waste of a shot. And you're looking there exactly. like, do you not want this win? Yeah, that was weird. But when you're talking about how the analysis is watered down, that Maya Moore shot just comes to mind because, again, any coach I've ever talked to would say, why would you take a mid-range jumper with 20 seconds left when you could milk that clock down to, like, 7 seconds or whatever, or 10 seconds? I think it was was 100% a case that she couldn't stop herself. She was, she was just moving too fast from the move before. Yeah, and I mean, look, 
she deserves that green light and she's so good you kind of have to live with that. And I guess the counter argument is, look, they could have let the clock go to 10 seconds, but like Maya taking a mid-range shot is probably a better shot than like somebody having to jack it up as the shot clock's expiring. I'm just saying the Sparks defense actually kind of worked there. The result just didn't work out for them. Yeah, and, you know, listening to interviews from both teams, um, the Sparks did an amazing job of keeping up their pressure defense the whole game and even in those final minutes. So I, I don't mean it in the sense like they didn't want it at that point. Defensively, the Sparks put to work the Minnesota Lynx offense. Um, I think it was, a, it was a big case of, you know, the, the Lynx were a little bit worried, okay, let's get this shot off because the Sparks defense is playing that good. And if we don't get that shot up, like you were saying, we might be forced to lob it up on a bad play. Yeah. But I agree. Like, offensively, I was frustrated all game. That since three, not getting Gray involved, not getting NECA's involved, being impatient, a lot of jumpers. Even what, like, Jantel Lavender hit a bunch of them. But, like, for some reason, they just refused to take three-pointers. You know, they, they continue to just take long twos. So... I feel like shot selection from LA just isn't that great, but they're so talented. Like it works most of the time, but against a team as smart as the Lynx, like they just weren't as sharp as they needed to be from the coaching staff to the players. I mean, it, I, one of the things that I noticed was like, um, Chelsea Gray just, just it was a masterful performance of how she would find her, you know, that mid-range shot and that fadeaway. And just, I mean, how I lost track of how many times in the series she would just dive in, hit the free throw line, take a step to the left or the right, and just dive back for a little fadeaway. And, and she was like 100% on that. Yeah, I mean, she's very talented. But again, like, that's a really hard shot to make, you know? Um, and they're relying a lot on shots like that. And I think fouls, that's again, speaks to fouls importance is that Neck and Candace just couldn't get the type of layups they do against most of the league. And so now you're forced into a lot of tough mid-range shots, even though Gray is capable of hitting those and a lot of threes, which they just couldn't knock down. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I really truly believe and you, you said you thought you saw it in game two. I saw it more in game three where there was just kind of like this moment where the Lynx went, okay, we got this figured out. We got this. Um, they didn't close out game three. And I think that was due to just some atrocious shooting at certain points of the game. Um, some were bad shots, shot, shot choices. Some were just, you know, they, they couldn't get it to go. Um, but game four, the Lynx were on a mission. Sylvia fouls. I mean, all right. She was undeniably one of the, the one of the best performances I've seen from a player going up against like elite talent um, in a long time. But I think a lot was overlooked about the importance of Rebecca Brunson and how she could have been in the discussion for the Finals MVP. And I know we got to get going, but I do want to say Rebecca Brunson in the in the sense of like this team does not win without Rebecca Brunson. Without Rebecca Brunson, none of their wins happen. Uh, the hustle work and the and the diving plays and and, and the grind she puts in. Um, you have a. I mean, what are your thoughts? What do you think? Anybody else on the link stands out like that? 
I think everyone deserves credit in that starting five. Like you said, Brunson's the reason they won game four and got up to a hot start in game five. Fouls, obviously, on the glass. Maya, you know, it wasn't Maya's, like, greatest playoff series ever, but she consistently made shots. You know, I think that was big for Maya. Um, Even in game three where they lost, like, she had 60 in the second half, gave them a chance. So I think she was solid. Lindsey Whalen, I think, was huge just in the intangibles of game five. I feel like, yes, we talked about the refs, but it was also just like the loose balls, the aggression. Like, I like actually, you know, this guy, Michael Brunwasser, I'll shout out to him because, like, when we used to play basketball, and like, I was someone who would always get heated with the refs and stuff like that. And like, he was kind of that like hustle player, like Lindsey Whalen. And he would always tell me, like, you kind of put yourself in position to get calls. Um, and I think it's true. I think, like, it's hard. Like, the reps, they, 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 they get into the moment, too. They're humans. Like, they see somebody diving on the floor like Lindsey Whalen, and I feel like they start to give that team the benefit of the doubt, you know? And then they see another team that's just complaining, and then they start calling stuff on them, which I don't think is right, but it happens. And then I think I'm forgetting Simone Augustus. Um, you know, had her knee drained, but still scored 14 points at six assists. Um, when NECA fouled out, she had a big three on the very next play. And so she was solid as well. So I think they ultimately did it by committee. I thought LA was more talented and was going to win this series, but I think I underestimated um, just kind of those X factors because. You know, for the coach and me, it's like that stuff that's hard to quantify. And I felt like the X's and O's would go towards the sparks. But so many of those hustles, rebounding, intangibles were just very lopsided, ultimately. I hear that. I hear that. Well, we're logging off for the WNBA season, but that does not mean we will be done covering uh, women's basketball and uh, WNBA. We got updates on players overseas on the website. Uh, and we're hoping to get some interviews with some coaches on their movings or uh, their movements for next season and such on and then discuss it with Eli. Um, Eli, great having you on this season, especially for the finals. Um, where can fans find more of your work and what are you looking forward to over the offseason? Yeah, Twitter at Coach Horowitz13, um, freelance work at Excel Sports. I'm going to be doing some NBA writing as well as we get started for that, some women's college basketball writing. So definitely, definitely check some of that out. And I look forward to continue to podcast and, and talk in the off season. All right, man. You have a great night. All right. Bye-bye.